I don't even know how I have 40 followers on Twitter, to be honest with you. We're talking sports. I got two. Oh, you have two now. With a couple of guys you've never even heard of. I don't really understand it. It's, It's crazy. It's moving the goalposts. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend. Moving the goalposts wherever you listen. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Moving the Goalposts. I'm your host, Nick Mara, joined by co-host Mike Masala. Mike, how are you now? I'm glad to be back, brother. How are you? Not so bad. We're also joined by producer extraordinaire Andrew Meehan. Meehan, what's up? Zoom has already got me all fl- flustered. All, all, frustrated. all sort of, all, all frustrated and flustered. You well, just they, you mold the words together. Just like all these other buttons down at the, you know, the meeting, just real quick, real quick, a grind my gear, whatever Mike called it, that segment that we haven't done in like maybe seven, seven months. There's a bunch of, you know, chat, participant, security, stop, video, all that crap, mute. Then there's a little tab that says more. And the only option is to record. You couldn't just, I don't know, maybe it's because I don't have the paid for package, but other yeah. than that, we're great. How are we doing? I'm doing, I'm doing well. You guys? Well. Fantastic. As, as we discussed before we, we hit record, uh, Mike, haircut, chopped it off. First mm-hmm. time in three years that you can actually probably feel your skull. Yeah. Uh, one of the underrated things about uh, having a haircut, sleeping. Uh, yes. When you have that long hair and you're rolling over all the time and getting your hair caught behind you, uh, that was a huge problem. So I, I cut off 12 inches of hair. I feel I feel good. Yeah, have, no. did, you, did you happen to have any shedding problems? Uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely could tell I was losing it a bit. I don't know if that was me being old or that's just what happens when you have long hair. Probably a mixture of the two. Yes. Well, you know what they say, at least for me, when you turn 23, it all just downhill. <laughs> yeah, it's going. I can <laughs> or that it. just might be me. Literally. I don't know. Uh, gentlemen, we've got a lot to talk about today. Most of it's going to be centered around the Celtics. They're going to be uh, playing the heat tonight in game four down to one in the Eastern conference final. Uh, Mike, it's been a while since we've we've heard a take from you. So I just want to hear where where you're at with the Celtics team, how you, how you thought about them going into the playoffs, and and kind of where you think they are now, and and any potential you think they have. Yeah, they were riding really hot, obviously going into the going into the playoffs. I think the last time I got to speak to you guys was uh, during the Buck series before that even closed out. I was very impressed by everything that they did there. They obviously showed a, a hell of a lot coming back, uh, winning the last the final two games there, um, and then heading into this series, I felt Miami was a tough matchup for them, and I felt that the whole throughout the throughout the playoffs, I thought that once you met up with Miami, I thought they matched up pretty well. Um, but they've shown that when they're healthy and they're all on the court, they can they can win these games. Um, and even this last game, and we'll get into it more. But if you're down thirty, it doesn't doesn't really feel like you're totally out of it because it can just they can go on these runs. They can step it up defensively. If you don't shoot yourself in the foot, this, this is a team that that should be up uh, in this series. And, and I, I think uh, I, I feel a little bit better than some people heading into tonight's game. Andrew, how are you feeling about tonight's game? I'm fr- I'm I'm frustrated. I'm and I'm glad I said frustrated right because that's been a <laughs> a very a very just difficult thing to do in my life. But I'm fr- I'm frustrated because it, it just last uh, last night Saturday night I felt like we were still trying to get out of the locker room going into the second half. It's just or I'm sorry, coming out of the first half. It's just turnover after turnover after turnover. It's Oh my God! It was just—it was rec league basketball. You, you cannot lose like your first game at home. If if there's any game, if there's any game that you should lose in your first two home games, if you're the second seed, it shouldn't be your first one. You shouldn't. There's no reason you should come out flat. Like Eme Tatum, or, or we came out flat. We came out flat. You can't come out flat. You can't come out flat on, on your home court. You just can't. It's and maybe that's just because like the Celtic fan in me since. God, 2014 or whenever we've just been going to East, Eastern Conference Final after Eastern Conference Final. I want this team because it's really that same core of guys. Smart, Horford's back, Tatum, uh, uh, Brown. You got to get this monkey off your back. You got If you want to really truly live up to your potential, you got to get this monkey off your back and go to a final. Maybe that's just me being too greedy. But, oh, my God, was that just frustrating basketball to watch the other night? It doesn't even reflect this. I know, like... I know we could be down 20 and I won't count out our defense because it's just too freaking aggressive and it's too freaking good. 
but I still I like that's I can I, I feel like for the first time in a while I can say the score does not reflect like how that game really went. Were we not down like 30 at one point? I like I had to I scratched my eyes multiple times. It was just frustrating basketball to watch. The turnovers, like you said, is the number one indicator of them just not being prepared mentally. Like physically, they showed up. Some guys showed up a little bit more than others. Uh, but if you're turning the ball over 24 times and, and you're really only converting on 40% of your three-pointers or 30, 37% of your three-pointers, that's not going to be enough for a team that's supposed to be shooting most of their shots from three, like that's how they're trying to win games is by having their threes fall. So if you're not getting to the line and ironically in the game on, on Saturday in game three, they also got to the line a lot, but they weren't making their free throws. It's just everything that could have gone wrong for them did go wrong, but they have nobody to blame, but themselves. I'm maybe a little bit more confident just because I, I look at them and say, when Jason Tatum plays well, they win games. So if it's going to come down to just does he show up or does he not show up, I, I, I'd like to hope, I'd like to think that it, in a seven-game series, he'd show up at least four times and they'll be able to win four times. That's why I'm not nervous yet. If they go down three games to one, then, then I'll probably be pressing the panic button because I'll once again be questioning how much further can this team go? How much progression is there? We'll, we'll give them credit for being able to bounce back halfway through the season, but we end up at the same destination every single year. Right. And like you were saying, the, the, the turnover specifically, I don't know how many games I've watched Jalen Brown just continuously dribble off oh. his foot or get his Ugh. pockets picked yeah. over and over and over again. He, he that is his biggest thing he needs to work on this uh, this offseason whether they get eliminated this in in this series or the next or or they win maybe they win uh, i don't want I, I don't want to i don't want to put a damper on things but they can't they can't go out there and just have errant passes get your pockets picked by victor oladipo who hasn't played basketball in like three years like these these are the things that that slow down a championship team from winning, and they have that caliber. We've seen them the second half of the season dominate at times. I think if you get Robert Williams back, and I think that's what the plan is tonight, um, that that's that's a big boost because I think he affects Bam more than anybody. If you finally get a guy who can be a physical presence in the paint, you're not getting that from Daniel Tice. You're not like a, a negative thirteen. He's one point in this past game. He's he's not a defensive presence. That that is that is not what you're getting from him. So if if you can get Robert Williams in in this game, I feel a lot better. If they lose, I think that's over. I I don't think I don't see them coming back three one. It's it's uh, the number the numbers dip drastically. They were able to to come back from the the game five loss last series, but a game four loss going down three one is is not something I don't. I don't think this team is built for that. See, but don't you think this is also a little bit of like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type team where if they go down three, one and they win a game in Miami, they come back, win on their home court and then game seven, anything could happen. Like that could be their breaking point. I just, I, I don't look at this. I don't, and maybe it's that I don't look at Miami as being that great of a team. Like I, I think Jimmy Butler is a very good player. I would consider him a superstar. And I would also say you are going to want him on your team as opposed to against your team. Everybody would say that. I, I don't think that him, his ceiling is as high as Tatum's ceiling, or maybe even just the combination of him and Adebayo with, with Brown and Tatum. And then you throw in, you just, you throw in the depth of the Celtics roster, at least the first seven or eight guys off the bench. And they're, they're tough matchups. Grant Williams is going to have to play basketball a little bit more consistently. And he's also going to have to shut his mouth a little bit more. And there, there are a lot of X factors in this series that, that kind of, came forward in game three. Uh, a lot of it came, came through with like, the injuries and, and guys coming back. But I, I think game three could be, or could have been, depending on the result of tonight, a gut punch. But I'm looking at it as more of the, that swing back in their favor. Like, all right, we've got our attention again. We've got to, you know, strap up and, What's the what's the thing that Kevin Garnett said about like game seven, a couple like in 2002 or something? He was playing in his first game seven and he was going to bring like an artillery 
<laughs> I remember I remember what you're talking about. I don't remember exactly what he said. I'm gonna find it. I, I think the inconsistency part for me is is Tatum. Like this is a guy who you're you're going out there. This is the fifth time this playoffs, sixth time, fifth or sixth time this playoffs he's had at least six turnovers in a game. And this is also the third time he scored less than 20 points. You can't go into games, especially when J- when Jimmy Butler's out the entire second half. Jason Tatum came came back from that injury. They It was like a four-point game at the time, something around there. And they completely just blew it after that. It's like he, it's almost, it would almost have been better if he didn't come back. Cause he, even, even though he's the, the, the ball handle, it's him and Marcus Smart, it, it didn't impact the game in a positive light for the Celtics at all. <laughs> yeah. Like I couldn't even, I mean, I don't know if it was just me, like seeing a bunch of people post stuff about Smart coming back and Tatum coming back. And it's like, oh, you know, it's crazy. It's like Paul Pierce. Well, the difference is Paul Pierce won that game. When he came back, you know, for whether it was something or he had to take a poop or whatever. I don't know. They won that game. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's why I can't get like, I doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Especially like, like with, with guys like Smart and Robert Williams. Play, go time. We got to play through it. Got to play through it. You know, with the knee. First of all, with Robert Williams, it is something new. Every freaking minute of this guy's like career or season. Like hurt knee, ankle, shoulder, the dip, but, but like, gear up, man. Easter Conference Finals, no excuses. I I also am a little sick of the uh, they brought him back too early thing. Like they've said, this is a different injury, right? Yeah, um, uh, knee. Well, could same, they be related? Uh, though is what they said. I but mean, I guess they, it could be same yeah. area. I think they're both like knee issues. Just right, same knee. I I did I do think they brought him back. I think they could have. What was that? That was in Milwaukee, right? That was, it was no. It was game game three against the Nets. They're like, oh, was it? You were yeah, up, yeah. You were yeah, up two yeah. zero, and people, some people, were bitching and complaining that they were rushing him back because they were panicking. It's like they they wanted to knock out Brooklyn immediately, and and win. yeah, I think you could have. But it's I not, think you still could have swapped him without Robert Williams. It's it's not like he really exerted a lot of energy in that first round, right. did he? I mean, he played two games. Maybe a combined thirty minutes, I would imagine, could couldn't have been much more than that. Could have been just enough to do it, though. And then, like, he got, I, but then he got a week off to rest. That's that was the advantage of sweeping the team. Yeah, I, I listen. I'm not like I didn't think they brought him back too early because they were panicking. I just don't think like just yeah, rest him. I don't really think you need him against this team just because Brooklyn was quitting at that point. Just, this is this. By the way, though, is this is the mentality that the Celtics have to have. So game seven, man. This is it. It's all the marbles. Sitting in the house, I'm loading up the pump. I'm loading up the Uzi. I got a couple of M16s, a couple of nines. I got a couple of joints with some silencers on. I'm just loading up clips, a couple of grenades. Got a missile launcher with a couple, you know, missiles. I'm ready. I uh, I don't think an NBA player would get away with saying that nowadays. No. Gilbert Arenas method, I think. <laughs> I think that's what they call it. <laughs> Like, what, can I ask, like, who who do you think has, and listen, I think the gap between any of these guys and Kevin Garnett, when I ask you this question, is still huge and wide. But who do you think has that Kevin Garnett? Who do you think is at least the closest to it with that the, Kevin Garnett the, attitude? The, the fake tough guy? It's Marcus Smart. I, my opinion, it's got to be Marcus Smart. Really? Yeah. Who, yeah. Absolutely. The, the attitude of, now here's the thing. I, I'm very much on, on the same uh Playing as like Felger will we'll talk about Kevin Garnett saying he's this fake guff, tough guy. He'll get in your face. He'll he'll let Jamal Crawford or whatever that guy's name was say that it, that motherfucker fucked your wife or something. She tastes like Honey Nut Cheerios and then not actually fight. But when it comes to playing basketball, brings the intensity and he brings the energy mm-hmm. and he is a tough guy when it comes to playing basketball. I, I think that that's Marcus. That's Marcus Smart and the modern Celtics. Not really gonna do much of anything, but provides that shot of energy. And the difference between Kevin Garnett and Marcus Smart, Kevin Garnett was the best player on their team. Marcus Smart is maybe the third or fourth best. See, I like his energy, but like game one, you could he couldn't have played. He's up and like bouncing in front of the bench and getting them pumped. Like you could have thrown in a couple of minutes, you couldn't have played. That which kind of a lot. Which, which kind of brings me into the topic that I wanted to talk about with this whole idea of 
how much does this team actually care about winning games or are they just in it for the the show and the theatrics? Because the Marcus Smart injury, he looked like he got injured in game three. And then to come back, that was kind of, that was courageous to me. The Tatum thing was an embarrassment injury. He, he was embarrassed that he sucked and left the game and then they got closer and he came back in. Does that, indicate maybe some mental weakness that the Celtics have that is going to keep them from being able to, to overcome Miami. I don't know if it's something like that. I, I point to specifically, I do think Miami's a much tougher team mentally and, and tougher physically as well. I they're, they're really well coached. They have a, uh, their leader is their best player emotionally, uh, physically everything. Jimmy Jimmy Butler keeps that team together, and that's something that he's been discredited with in the past, that he's kind of a, a crazy person, I think, <laughs> in most of the other places that he's been. Um, but it seems to be that he's he's got that team going in the right direction. The Celtics, like you said, Marcus Smart is is that emotional guy for them. It's Marcus Smart. It's it's Al Horford. The, the other guys may, may lead in different ways, but they're not they're not vocal with it and i i don't i i am a little nervous about the way that they act not during the game but like after the game jalen brown last night or on saturday had said yeah this is it was tick, there was ticky tack things being thrown in there and like the refs weren't giving giving the calls i was like dude you're, you're missing all your shots at the line so what does it matter anyway and he also had 40 points I, I, we, why are we talking about the refs? And and I I don't want to be the guy who's like backing the Celtics in in, in green team in footy pajamas. But can we stop pretending that players complaining on the floor is just a Celtics thing? It's like that no. happens with every. It's a sport. It's the sport. I, yeah, but I don't I don't know if I necessarily hear that. Maybe it's a local narrative. I don't hear it on a national level that. The Celtics in particular are, are more bitchy than than any right. other team. I think you might notice it because the people who bitch on the Celtics maybe don't have a leg to stand on. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I, it just that shouldn't be the first thing that you go to in the in the post game. I'm fine with it if you're complaining like during the during the break after the play is over. You're you're going over to the ref. Hey, what was going on there? You, you don't want to sag off during uh, coming back on defense. You don't want to do, do stuff like this. You need to be emotionally, mentally, physically tougher if you want to win this series. You know, Mike, on the most recent show, uh, the Rhode Island High School Sports Show, Andrew and I got to speak with an official, and we found out that the really good officials have a passion for the game and a passion for the sport. And there are some people that say that the NBA official maybe has some ulterior motives behind <laughs> their desire to officiate uh professional basketball i don't know i don't necessarily i don't think that's anything that's happened in this series the, the free throw disparity in game three looked bad but at the same time i don't necessarily think that was just so that the the, the refs could get the celtics back into the game but when you look at the final box score that's definitely what the result was um no i i I I would like for the Celtics to be the type of team where like they put their head down and they just work and they mm-hmm. don't bitch. They get back on defense or they don't bitch. They get to the free throw line and they they take the one shot or the instead of the two shots or whatever. I don't know. Look what happened in the uh you know if you go back a series in Milwaukee. What what game was it where um I I swear to God I wanted to throw my controller at the TV. Tatum knocks, or I'm sorry, Tatum drives the back basket. He gets the two. Of course, complaining, you know, that he got hit or something. Blah blah blah. Let's his guy go. I forget who shot it, but you know, Milwaukee knocks down a three and they're back up in the lead. Yeah, I wanted to put my head through a wall. It drives me absolutely nuts. And Grant Williams is just as bad. He's another like him and Tatum are just the absolute worst. Really, the only two. It, it everybody seems, does it, but is it, but is it like is it an immaturity thing? Because when when other when everybody does it, it's not that everybody does it and it costs them points. Everybody might, like Draymond Green when he does it, he'll get teed up, he'll lose possession. Yeah, it's not so much that he's more focused on the officiating than he is on the play. 
and I'm look, I'm saying this by not watching every single Golden State Warrior game, but based on the reputation that he has, he's more of like, when I explode, I explode. I'm not just going to let it get in the way at times. What do we like for chances, though? Yeah, I, I don't think they're dead in the water. Like, I think if there's one game that they're not going to come out flat, it's definitely this one. You know, it's you don't. This is the first time in the playoffs you don't have home court. So, even even if you get even if you get to a game seven in Miami, like Mike said earlier, I think they're the they look like the more mentally tough team. Are they more talent? Are they more talented? No, I think the Celtics are more talented. But can you handle the pressure? It seems right now that Miami can handle it more. I I wouldn't completely rule rule it out that they lose tonight, that the Celtics lose tonight. But I just I can't. One, because of, like, like we said earlier, even though the game ended 109 to 103, it still felt like they got blown out by like 50. Um, it, I, I, I can't see this team coming out the same way they did on home court in, a, in, game, in game three, in their first game home. Can't see it. They, I think they know, the, understand the risk that, you know, their best chance of winning it is probably putting it away in six, unless, they, unless something is just going to kick it into fifth gear and they love game seven that much. I don't know. But, if you go down three one night and you're heading back to Miami like that, you're <laughs> you're toast. The trends seem to point towards the Celtics. I think in this game, I mean they're eleven and one since like the middle of January, coming off a loss. I I have to think that this is the time you you get your ass in gear. They've done it every other time in the postseason so far. I the the sh- if you want a chance to win, you win tonight. And I think Ime knows that. I think the players know that. Don't play sloppy, and I think you have you have a chance here. And if if you win this game, the series is up to anybody. Lose this game, it it's going to Miami. Oh, an an exciting an exciting series we have upon us for sure. Can I ask a question before we move on? If they do, like, say it goes drastically bad, I'll give you I'll give you two options. Let's say they lose in like six or seven, or let's say they like lose in five. Like it just goes all down hill down downhill from here both situations does that cause you to put blowing this whole thing up back on the table if they lose in like five like it absolutely is back on the table for me blowing like figuring out which one to keep brown or tatum which i think you obviously keep tatum you get a lot of value for brown and just change everything besides i mean not the coach i think Ime has done has proved that he can be an nba an nba head coach six and seven it's maybe on the table I would say don't bring Al Horford back. Trade Robert Williams, trade Marcus Smart, and try and actually, you know, build the same style of team just with better players because you can find Marcus Smart and Robert Will. We've seen now you can find Marcus Smart and Robert Williams players yeah. in the late first round, in the second round. Mm. So, but I, I like their chances. Who knows? Maybe this thing will be over and uh, we'll be talking about the NBA finals next time. Or, of course, we could be talking about the disaster that they have in front of them. I mean, you should want to get this monkey off your back. You just should. Again, it's the same. It's majority of the same squad out there that has been to Eastern Conference finals before. Yeah. You want to establish, you know, especially Tatum. Tatum's the number one guy that I look at. You want to People say you're a rising star and, you know, uh, you're surpassing, you know, whoever said you're surpassing Kevin Durant after they swept the, after they swept the nets, you really want to prove that you got to go get yourself a trophy. You got to, you know, you got to get a championship or you're really not going to be considered that. Yeah, you'll be good, but the rings, baby. Speaking of championships, uh, do you guys want to know what I've been doing for the last three nights? I've been watching the Bruins 2011 cup run full games started off with game one of the conference quarterfinal. I'm up to game tonight will be game four. I believe. I don't want to say you're down in the dumps, but buddy, you're right. It's, (laughs) it is a struggle because this team is going nowhere fast. 
this this kind of reminds me of like not not like in a in a sad way but like that scene in fever pitch where he's just watching the bill buckner play over yes. and over like i'm just gonna find you and i'm gonna have to put you out in the sunlight in a couple of minutes do you want to know what the funny thing too is the through the first three games of the playoffs like all right so they lose the first two games at home to montreal and this so you've lost the six straight playoff games, not necessarily series, just games, six straight playoff games. And you're on the like a team that was going to be blown up and things that just should have worked better, didn't work better. And the ironic thing is that Tim Thomas at the beginning of the playoffs, he really wasn't that good. Like every single goal that was scored was kind of his fault. Now he did make saves that were unbelievable, but yeah, it, it is a little reminiscent of uh, what's his name, Ben Reitman, going through his depression after Drew Barrymore leaves him, and just watching the Buckner play and listening That's to that what Carl Yastrzemski song. Damn it, damn it, Nick! I was gonna bring up a movie reference, and I was like, Nah, he's probably never seen Fever Pitch. You, you oh man, when hosts aren't listening, when producer extraordinaires aren't listening. No, no, no I was. He had it stuck listening. in his head and he was looking for it. It's fine. No, I was listening and I was like, oh, he probably he maybe doesn't know it because every time I bring up a movie reference, no, nah, I've never seen it. No, nah, I've never seen but, it. No, I'm okay. Never mind. He'll maybe he'll hear it when what? he go, edits it. <laughs> no, no, tell me. I'm just going to say Mike was the one that brought up the reference first. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I was commentating huh. on his on his comment. It's all good. You know, sometimes you get something in your head and then that's all you think about. You don't, you can't listen yeah. to everything. I get yeah. that. But Have no, it, it's, it, it very much, it is reminiscent of that. It, it's, it's also that like, I've run out of things to watch that interest me. And I'm just like, I'm going back into time and I'm trying to think, can you, can you actually build a team like this again? Or has the game changed so much that anything from that era, that decade, that time, like forget about it. And which brings me to the state of the Boston Bruins. We are on the verge of this whole thing has to get blown up. Like I I've joked around in the past about ownership. We need to abolish the Jacobs family. The Jacobs family has no idea what they're doing because they've put all their faith, all their trust in Cam Neely and Cam Neely doesn't know what he's doing. And he's, I don't know. I, I I think that this team is screwed. If you guys want to give your give your give your commentary and let me cool down just a little bit, I uh, absolutely am, right. I'm 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 right there with you right now. Uh, listening to Neely, I, and I listened to you guys' last episode when when I wasn't here, and you guys did a a, a great job summarizing the end of that series and and the future for the Bruins. Cam Neely, if Cam Neely keeps Don Sweeney and fires Butch. That doesn't make any sense at all. And Cam Neely should be gone. But isn't that what has already been? They've well, already that, confirmed that, si isn't it? Since since we last recorded or since you guys last recorded, they've had those conversations. And, and it seems like that's the way it's going. It hasn't been like, I don't think it's been fully reported. At least I haven't seen that. But that's the way it seems like it's going. Well, if that's the have... way it goes, clear house. Everybody gone doesn't he have one more year in his contract cassidy i think he does doesn't he i don't know what cassidy's contract situation is but the, it's been confirmed that this was the end of sweeney's deal and they're bringing him back Which, they haven't just, said how much they're or how long they're bringing him back for yeah now like do i think like because uh, you've heard things like in the past before too even at the beginning of this season i think a little last season where is the locker room tuning Cassidy out. So I'm not saying like Cassidy is totally off the hook. If anything, if there's any reason why this did go to seven games besides, you know, neither team being able to win a friggin' old, you know, road game, the the line changes that Cassidy made seem to have worked in a way. Like yeah. I don't know. You could you could debate which of the two it was more, you know, just team not being able to win a road game or Cassidy actually making a line change. They're just they're oh my God. They're not looking at the problem correctly, at least. So I, I'm trying to find Cassidy's contract right now. So I think they'll just go cheap and not try to sign anybody and get this one last year out of Cassidy and probably like fireman, depend depending on what happens. But you know, the 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 uh, the funny thing about the the whole coaching situation 
it, it didn't really sound like they, they were upset with Cassidy as much as they were upset with like the philosophy. I don't know how great of an assistant coach or how great of a coach in general Joe Sacco is. He was the head coach in Colorado at, at one time get fired and they don't get another job immediately. There's probably something wrong with them. I would imagine otherwise, you know, they stay head coaches. They don't go back to being assistants and their other assistant coaches, Chris Kelly and someone else. I could, I couldn't even tell you who the third, third assistant coach is. So it might be more that he, they're upset with the supporting staff and that's what they want to change and bring in maybe some people who are a little bit more veteran or a little bit more of a threat to Cassidy's job. So, but that's not going to make a lot of sense. Now you're going to have someone who's making decisions and people that don't like those decisions. It's just, they don't know what they're doing. And I don't know what the answer is either because this is how the team has been run my entire life. So he signed an extension in 2019. He's 20, 2022 to 23 is his last year okay. on that contract. So this is, yeah, coming up will be, would be his final season. And lame duck coach is usually not a good thing. There's also the question of it does seem like they're building everything towards one more year of Bergeron or or the last couple of years, whatever it ends up being, that this is what they want to do. They they wanna they wanna ride it out with the same guys. There's also been informed speculation on on local uh, media channels that we happen to pay pretty close attention to that Bergeron may not be the biggest fan of Cassidy calling out players in, in post game and, and such things. Um, is that a Bergeron decision? They want Bergeron. They're choosing him over Cassidy. I mean, I, that's the choice I would make. That's if it's for, if it's for one year. Absolutely. Cause I don't think Cassidy really has much more than a year left either. I think that you are so you're so far away from being able to compete as like a, a year in year out contender that you might as well do whatever it takes to appease really the only player that you have at that position that is competent at the NHL level. Um, And then when he's done, you're still in the same position you would be if he wasn't there to begin with. So what do you have to lose? Wouldn't this be, and I I know this is crossing sports, the same thing of the, the Belichick Brady model of get rid of the guy. You start your rebuild a year earlier. I think in hockey, they could, the yes, but the difference between football and hockey is when you draft a player in football, they're pretty much expected to play almost immediately. True. In hockey, you're drafting them at 17, 18 years old, and they may not put on the sweater for four or five years. So the development, which again is solely on Don Sweeney, wasn't happening in Boston. They're making all these picks, all these selections, and none of these guys are getting any better. It's not that they didn't try to replace Bergeron. They just didn't do it. I mean, that, that's what happens when you, when you draft so poorly over the years. Maybe maybe a nice, another cross-sport reference, because that's all I'm good for right now. <laughs> uh, maybe a nice uh, move to a different role, like a Brad Stevens, to, uh, director of pro scouting uh, for, for Don Sweeney where he can just focus on trades instead of drafting and developing guys. Cam won't, Cam won't fire his friend Don, so we'll just move him around. Yeah, isn't that what we said on the last pod? Like, oh, just throw Bergeron like front office and get throw that out the window now. That's, yeah. That's not happening. Well, I, th- I think a demotion would be apparent, you know, if, if he's the general manager and then you give him a different title and it takes away some of his responsibilities, it's probably going to be a bad look, but who knows? I mean, they have such an absentee ownership. I'm not sure if they're really that concerned with public relations. Like Bruins fans could be screaming at the top of their lungs that they want organizational change and the owners would do nothing because they're not going to hear it. They're just going to be seeing, you know, the bottom line at the end of every season. So they definitely need to make some, some organizational change. And it sounds as though they're just, sitting on their hands once again. So I don't expect much to happen during the off season. Um, Even though I think there's, 
drastic change that that needs to be done. Yeah, it's it's absolutely frustrating. Very frustrating. Uh, gentlemen, are we going to have a baseball season? Seems mm. like we're getting there. What uh, having the expanded playoffs, and I, I, again, I, I'm not totally remembering the format, but I think it's what is it? Three wild card teams and three division winners. Correct. And then is it the top two teams get a buy, and the four teams that would be the next ones like play a is it one game or two out of three or it's all jacked up to make a long story short or essentially there's more playoff teams that are going to be included so there's a higher chance that you make the playoffs based on uh your record being not great and that's where the red Sox are headed they're three games under 500 now 10 games back of the yankees who have the best record in baseball um but they've won five in a row. They swept the Mariners over the weekend in a four-game series. The pitching staff seems to be good. It seems as though they're letting guys actually pitch into the game if they're doing well. Uh, the offense seems to be turning around. Trevor Story had a hell of a series against the Mariners. The only question right now to me seems to be the bullpen, um, and that's something that you address you have to address every single season uh i'm not going to say that we're guaranteed a baseball season but i think that they'll make things entertaining uh and we'll have stuff to talk about during june and july outside of just the patriots it's kind of tough in doing what we do and and talking about teams every week to not be so reactionary. Um, and for a sport that is a 162 game season, plus the playoffs, uh, everything ends up playing out. Most teams are around 500 by the end of the season. You're a few games over a few games under, and then you have the, the big outliers. Uh, I just think that they've, they've really, they've really shown me a lot in, in the last few weeks. I think their pitching staff has looked good. I wish Whitlock would move back to the bullpen, but it seems like they're not going to do that as long as Tanner Houck is unvaccinated. Uh, that, that, that seems to be the, the reason there, but the rest of the guys, like they're going out and for the most part, they're doing their jobs. Like Ryan Brazier sent down. Now you don't have to worry about Ryan Brazier anymore. Uh, everybody else here and there, like, Road boys, I, none of the guys I feel like 100% locked down about, but I think they're all your average bullpen arm. Matt Barnes has come in in his last two appearances looked pretty good in, in a seventh inning and a ninth inning that were both really important. If you can get that guy to pick back up his his closer role, his, um, maybe not closer, but like best, whatever whatever they're using now, the best uh, inning role in, in out of the bullpen, I think you get a little bit of something. And you, you said the, the offense is, is picking up. Jackie Bradley's hitting 310 at, at Fenway. That's crazy. That's crazy. The man is Babe Ruth at Fenway. He has his moments. Not many of them. Not many of them, but he has his, he has his moments. Speaking of not having many moments, Frenchie Cordero with the second home run in Boston history uh, with a nice grand slam to end it. <laughs> yeah. I was actually, I was watching that game. I, if there was something inside me yesterday that was like, watch this Red Sox game. It's going to be entertaining. It was like the seventh or eighth inning. It was like a three, three game. And then they scored runs in the, in the ninth inning to tie. I sent it to extras Chicago scores or Seattle scores in the top of the inning. And you're like, oh, they're just, they're never going to win an extra inning game. I think they were like Owen six heading into heading into yesterday's game. And then all of a sudden they load the bases up and it's Franchi Cordero that launches a missile at, like past the bullpen into uh, into like right center. So not what I was expecting. Good win. Uh, and it's how they're winning games. It's not just that they're winning them. It's that they're, they're coming back games and they're showing they're not quitting really outside of a stretch of games against Tampa, Toronto, and then the angels and the white Sox, Boston's been a pretty decent team hovering around 500, maybe a little bit over 500. There was, it, it was a stretch where they lost, uh, well, they won three out of looks like 15 games. They were just awful. They were terrible. So that makes me a little bit concerned heading into this series against the white Sox. That's going to begin tomorrow. 
if you can take two out of three and you've now won three series in a row, four series in a row, now we're really starting to talk about something. You have to be winning series. That's the way that the team has to approach, to me, the rest of the season. Right, especially when the White Sox are probably going to be the, one of those teams vying for one of those wild card spots. If you can take t- head-to-head wins against them, and after after they just beat the Yankees two games yesterday, yeah, it, you're starting to build yourself something. Uh, yeah, yesterday was a day where uh, every other team in your division lost, including the Yankees twice, and the Red Sox won. I mean that that's a good that's a good day in Boston. If for all, all I'm concerned, for for those who may not. Uh, be aware of the situation that happened over the weekend in the Bronx. Uh, are, are we familiar? Is the panel familiar with the Tim Anderson, Josh Donaldson exchange? Yes. Have you seen the most recent update? I haven't seen the most recent update. I, I even, I haven't even really listened to any audio. I've just read stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't, I actually don't know what to think because that is if I called someone Jackie, that to me is like, that's a really big compliment, but he's probably not using it as a compliment. So it's, it's a very weird situation, especially when both sides are kind of saying it was taken one way or meant one way. And right. It wasn't exactly like the whole, the whole thing. If it's starting with Tim Anderson calling himself Jackie Robinson, Nothing Tim Anderson is doing right now is as big as what Jackie Robinson went through in baseball. Right. So that's a ridiculous comparison in in the first place. And then it feels like if you compare yourself to one of the most influential players of all time and you start doing things like opponents are going to start using that against you. Mm. Like if, if, if Peyton Pritchard called himself Larry Bird and then, the, like he gets in a fight with Jimmy Butler and he goes, Oh, wait, like, like nice play, Larry. Like that's, what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen yeah. with, with any of these guys. So I think the context is, is important there. And, and th- apparently we don't really know what's happening, but Josh Allison just got suspended. Oh, did he? Yeah. He got suspended one game and he got fined for, wow. for this, uh, for this, of uh, all, all the stuff. Well, I mean, so, Tony LaRusa came right out afterwards and he was like, I think it's racist. He's like, I think it's racist. Is like, it's definitely a possibility. Anderson was just like, I don't appreciate it. And then the the closer out in uh out in Chicago, I guess, had had something to say. He was like, Oh, that's a bullshit excuse that because Donaldson was like, Oh, I it was uh inside joke or whatever. Not Joe Girardi, who's the manager of the Yankees right now? Aaron Boone. I think Aaron Boone probably put it perfectly when he basically said, I don't know what was said or wasn't said. Uh I don't think if that's what happened, he meant anything by it. <laughs> then he basically adds at the very end. It's like probably not a, like a, a boundary that you want to be walking around. Though. Right. <laughs> like that's, ex- that's exactly it. Like just probably stay away a little bit. Yeah. No, like, your audience, no matter your intention, probably shouldn't say it. <laughs> I don't even know how he got onto that. No idea. That's just it, what happens. Andrew, did you hear about that story? I feel like we were talking inside. No, no, information. no, 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 no. I, I knew, I knew it's, it's a stupid comment. I mean, kind of like what Mike said, like, I just think it's stupid. Is it probably ra- racial and in, like intent? Pro- I mean, probably, but it's just, it's like, it's just, it's, just, it's, it's a stupid ass comment. It's just dumb. Like why, like, why get it? Like, why would you do it? Well, leave it to the scumbag Yankee fans to then jeer Tim Anderson as soon as he's ready for a game and call him Jackie throughout a, a day where he gets three hits, including a home run to shut that fucking crowd up. But you love it. Poet. Beautiful the, game. The, the beauty of sports. Oh, gentlemen, I, I they're think- on a roll this. Sorry, they're on a roll this year, too. Who, who are they throwing uh, beer cans and like trash at like uh, not even a oh, month yeah. ago? Who was that? Oh God! What well, what team was it? Was it? I don't think it was Houston, right? Who the hell was it? It was was it Minnesota? Uh, might have been the Braves, or maybe well, hold on, Guardians. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cleveland. Yeah, the Guardians. I forget who yeah. they were throwing trash at though. Well, when you haven't won a championship in almost thirteen years, and you're so used to telling people 
that you're good, I would probably be upset as well. I'd be a little impatient. Yeah. Hey, 27. No, 27 rings, Nick. But 27. It's the best. It is the best comeback. I actually got like a, a comment from a 27 rings post that I made on Twitter from like three years ago, just out of the blue. Somebody found it and liked it. It's funny that there are 27 rings and almost all of them have been won before Jackie Robinson played baseball. <laughs> you know, crossing sports here. I know Patriots fans always go like six ranks, six ranks, six ranks. I never really hear Celtics fans go 17 banner. Is it just me? Maybe I'm just out of tune with it, but I've never, I know I've never used that excuse, but I just never. And again, I think you I get know. a lot of the old guys doing it. Like the guys yeah. who were actually alive when the Celtics were winning. Like yeah. They, they, I think they're a little bit more. I think our generation is more like banner 18. Here we go every year for like one, the last one year. It's going to happen. Come on guys. I think I had banner 18 in my Twitter bio when I signed up for it in 2009 <laughs> bleed green. The Bruins are a joke of a franchise. They've always been a joke of a franchise, a history of underachievers. Six championships in 97 years. I think I love when we don't end the episode upset and in bad moods. And this oh, yes, you, don't, you want to talk about something good? Team. You want to talk about something good? Have you guys seen any video from OTAs? This will be my that'll be my final blow. Skinny Mac. Mac looks good. Looks lean. Looks Skinny fit. Mac. Looks like got rid of some of that baby weight. Uh, Mike, how about a little update on the Dolphins? Can you can you feed us any inside information? What do we need to know about the division rivals? Dolphins are going to wipe the floor with the Patriots this year again. Wipe the floor like like run them out of the building when they come down to Miami. How do you see the division playing out so far? Uh, Buffalo, Miami, New England, the Jets. See, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if New England finishes last or first. It's just, I think it's going to be one of those seasons. You want, to, you want my final blow? And my final blow is also about the New England Patriots. And one, Bill Belichick, who is too much of an asshole to answer any single question about the play calling. It is ridiculous. It is. Did you hear him today? I have they, yeah, they a little him, bit. They asked him, who's going to call plays? And he said, oh, what, what, what plays? We're calling minicamp plays? Like, dude, yeah, you're, you're calling plays in minicamp. What are you doing? What, are you just guys, you know, guys just all hanging around doing nothing? You know what's funny, too, is I, it might have been Tommy Curran earlier in the offseason had a little bit of exchange. It seems as though the beat reporters are starting to push back a little bit. Like, they're speaking with a little bit more attitude. They're, this getting, is, a little, they're getting short with Bill. Listening to Bill today, I... Going in, going into it objectively, just listening for his content. If Bill Belichick, and obviously this is a big statement, if he didn't have the his whole, I've won six rings with him. This is a guy people would laugh at. Yeah, the but things, that would the be things the case that are with everybody, right? That's the thing. But the way that they're running things right now, it's it's a it's a laughing stock, man, because <laughs> it is it is gross. So but it's nothing I, new. I, I mean, he's he's not named coordinators before. Yeah, but he's also got guys that are coaching on offense that haven't coached on offense in consistently, yeah. at least in twenty years. And they've also be- had a quarterback who was basically an offensive coordinator during that time as well. I'm looking at this as almost like it's crazy enough that it just might work because it also sounds to me like he had his hands all on the offense today. So. I don't know what that's going to mean for the defense, but I put I would put more faith in Gerard Mayo and little Belichick's ability to coach the defense without Bill's oh, help yeah. than oh, I God, do yeah. Matt Patricia and Joe Judge to coach the offense with Bill's help. So if if Patricia and Judge are just going to I have more confidence, I would have the most confidence, though, if he was in a position where he could just oversee it all and not have to be so involved on one side of the ball. Right. You're taking your resources away from other things. What What is the benefit right now of not announcing your offensive coordinator, not announcing your defense coordinator? And I guess that's the question every year. I think it's money related. I really I do think it's just money related. It, it it has to be either it has to be money related and I think it is Rooney rule Rooney rule Rooney rule related. You don't have to go through all those interviews if if you hiring Brett Bielema 
you're, right. you're bringing in your friends. For all we know, it could be Brian. Hoyer. It could be Brian Hoyer. I wouldn't be plays, which, I'd, feel, I'd feel more comfortable right which now. Which, in an order of people that I would love to have call plays for Mac Jones, Brian Hoyer, Joe Judge, Matt Patricia. If I had to pick any of those three, that's the order that it would go in. Yeah, Joe Judge, at least he played the position. Um, Patricia hasn't coached offense since, like, I don't know. He started out with the Patriots and he was doing linemen. That, that's about it. So I mean, that's the, what it seems like it is. I know last week yeah. they had the when they had spoken to the coordinators, quote, quote unquote, and you got Joe Judge saying, I'm working with the quarterbacks. You got Matt Patricia saying, I'm working with the linemen. I got a question because I also heard today that a, a lot of the drills outside of the 11 on 11, where it seemed like Belichick took over the play calling when they were doing a lot of passing stuff, it was judge and they were doing a lot of running stuff. It was mostly Patricia that was, that was in charge or, or in, in command. Do you think maybe they get away with the whole offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator thing by just you know how like some teams have passing game coordinators and running yeah. game coordinators? It's maybe that's the direction that we're going in. It's Matt Patricia is going to be the run game coordinator, and Joe Judge is going to be the passing game coordinator. If that results in Bill Belichick calling plays, I'm more okay with it then. Yeah. I think you, that's the direction we're going in. What you got to know, like he's the same like the amount of time that he spent with the offense today, it's, uh, it's a disaster, but it's not a total disaster. Like Bill's not going to let it go to complete crap. Like, you know, he's having those meetings with Mac Jones that he had with Brady. It's, 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 it's just, it's money and it's, t- it's, yeah, it's probably Rooney role related. I think more money related than anything, because that's just, I mean, anytime Bill Belichick makes a move for anything, it's always, mo- it's a hundred percent money related. It is like the, cheapest guy in the nfl one of the cheapest you just hope that it doesn't get in the way of his ability to do his own job right right but i think a year with mayo and uh with mayo and um steve belichick with a year under their belt as to like the position that they were in like you said i'm more confident with bill being able to leave them and figure it out because i also think i also think that defense just got gassed by the end of the season it just was not ready for anything i think it was more that than coaching like, because Bill could have still had the reins by that time, and it was just guys like Judon, they're just slow and gassed by that point. <laughs> I am also worried about personnel. As as much yeah. as the coaching staff is is questionable, if they had good players, they they don't. It seems as though they might not even have good enough players to to do what the coaches want them to do. But I don't know. Could See, be they, a, have a, a, they have a solid group of guys. It's it's more the coaching is a, more of a number one issue than the core. Like you have a. Su- you have a group. You're not this whole. It's not um, a complete dumpster fire of a group. Are there other? What teams is the that, what is the core of the New England Patriots? I know what you're saying, and like I, I didn't mean core, but I just you have a you have a group. You do have a solid group of players. Do you have like a core that's going to be established like you had back in you know the, the the last three Super Bowl runs? No, not yet. I think you're still in development. I thought I think that this was a two to three year project ever since this started last year, and you know in the draft and in free agency and you know, all that. So do you have that core yet? No, but you have a solid group of players or complete lot. Your complete roster doesn't suck. There are worse rosters in the league, but it's just maybe it's, only 10 though. There may only be 10. Would you rather rosters. be dead last? Yeah. They're going to, they're going to figure out yes. how to win games and I would rather above be dead 500. Last. Yes. I would rather That's, be dead last. Why? Why? Give me one I, good reason as to why you'd be rather, you'd rather be dead last. I get the number one pick. Okay, how many draft. teams have been successful with you know drafting the number one pick immediately after? Immediately after, not two years or three years after, immediately after with one with one measly first round pick. Where I don't does that get an, them? I don't have an answer to that specific question, but I can provide a general answer by saying any player you want, it's your decision to make your team better and nobody else stands in your way. I would I would take the number one pick. I would take the number one pick ten times out of ten. And also, if we're in New England, that we don't we don't get the number one pick. That even if even if they got it, yeah, it, that is number seventeen, rounders. number thirty nine, number fifty nine. Oh my God! You can't tell me you can't tell me that. Oh, the the first round of guys, the first thirty guys, they're pretty much all the same. You you can't tell me that and then say, well, why are you taking this guy from the third round? The second. 
that that whole that whole thing that whole thing which is why i hate i hate the not that i hate the draft but i hate draft analytics and i hate all this crap it, it, it's such bullshit oh the first round of the first 30 guys in the first round they're all pretty much the same there's not really a big window what's the difference between three and two what's the difference between those guys i would make the case that the top 10 in the draft are usually separate from the next 20 in the first round you can make an argument sometimes that the top three to five are separate from the other guys and then occasionally you'll have like that generational no doubt he's the first overall pick type yeah. player but again it'd be nice to have it would be nice sure, to it'd be nice to have, have it. sure it'd be nice to have but i don't no no i'm good I'm not as down as you guys are. I'm pumped up and ready to go, baby. Let's go. Yeah, Gear it I up. Know. I, I think it's, I think it ring is number a, seven. Ring number seven. It's coming. That's a joke. I, That's a I joke, a, everybody. I think it's a false hope. I think it's a false hope. But I also think that there's, it's early and they can get better, but they can't just think that what they're doing right now is okay. When I ranked the Dolphins opponents this past week when the schedule came out, it took a whole lot of self-control to not put the Patriots uh, the second easiest right behind the doll uh, right behind the Jets. It took a whole lot of self self-control. That's that's way too. That's way too. The, the, it, You're catering it was, too much to those fans. You're catering be, way no, too. No, I'd be curious fans. to know. So how did the uh where were they clustered around? Uh Detroit, Chicago, New England. Oh boy. <laughs> Oh my God, that's awful. Uh, okay, uh, I think I, I think I had. Let me let me pull it up while, while we're here. I think I had them between like Chicago and like Minnesota. I think. I think Detroit will be an improved team this year, but I I, I can't say that I would I would say the Patriots are a worse opponent than Detroit. Chicago, depending on the jump that Justin Fields takes, and they they have a new head coach as well. Uh, so they may catch lightning in a bottle in a in a what appears to be a down NFC North this year. Ooh, you might be right. No, he's not. He's catering too much to those <laughs> Andrew, dolphins down there. Andrew, nope. that's a nope. that's a good take. No, it ain't. I don't. I don't feel good. I don't feel good about it. I don't feel good about any of the things that are happening right now. Um, and I th I think I I think that's where they're at. Like, yeah, I had. The Jet, both Jets games, Houston, Detroit, Chicago, and then Pittsburgh and New England. Oh, you gave them way too much credit. I think Pittsburgh I, and Chicago would be tougher games. I think what? Pittsburgh. Oh my Pittsburgh, god! Pittsburgh, depending on how the quarterback situation plays out, I think that's the only factor there. Like if Kenny Pickett comes in and lights the world on fire and takes that job, I think they're they're a tougher game than New England. He should. Who's he competing with? Mitchell Trubisky. Oh my god. They could beat him out. That's like $20 million, Mitchell Trubisky, to you. Oh. I'm going to throw up. Andrew doesn't believe in number one first overall picks in new places. Not with James says hello. Not with James says hello. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. How, how good was Tampa? How good was Tampa in those years? They, they, they made the playoffs, about, right? They go 10 and 6 one year. They go 12 and 4 one year, I think. When was who was the quarterback that made them 12 and 4? Was that Josh Freeman? I, I don't remember. It was it was probably a Jameis year. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Chicago though, I don't I don't think Chicago is better than New England right now. I think based on strictly their offense, I think I'd take New England's offense over Chicago right now. I just don't think of New England as being a team that got better. I think of them as a team that got worse and the way their season ended. And I'm not just isolating that playoff game, but it, it is included. The way their season ended was on a down note. So you ended your season on a down note and your team has gotten worse it was since the, then. It was the same year as Mar Marietta, right? 15? James Winston was drafted? 15 or 14? I think 15 was when yep. you got drafted, right? Yeah. <laughs> what? You just you turned into a robot for the, like that that whole that whole sentence. But then I we heard you at the end, 2015. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no. I I know it was the same year as Mariota, but I couldn't even remember when Mariota got drafted. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. Was... <laughs> All right. Well, they went. 
in 2015. Oh my God. It doesn't give me a overall record. Where are you? Come on. I'm not going to count wins and losses right now. I can tell you they didn't make the playoffs in 2015 though. Keep talking. Get, I'll come back to me. Come back to me. What is he looking for? Their record that they that both teams won. Yeah, but I'm on ESPN season. right now. Like I'm already here. I'm not trying to. The ESPN. Uh, Jameis in two seasons. Uh, J- Jameis never won more than nine games. In Tampa, correct. Thank and you very then much. Mariota. Uh, Mariota went to the playoffs in 2017. I know. I don't think 16 or 15. He went. Uh no, sorry. He won a playoff of, game. Think of Houston. Yeah, Kansas City in 2017. It was that free uh it was that crazy uh the, like back immac- goal himself. Yeah, the immaculate reception 2.0. Mariota's Titans also won never won more than nine games. Wow. The exact same. Well, nine ironically, ironically, Mac Jones's Patriots in a 16 game season probably wouldn't have won more than nine games. That's, that's probably want, correct. That's, that's the way that I won more than nine in a 17 game season. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That one extra game helped. Them and out. now they're both starters again. They could have been 10. And, maybe they're 10 and six. I don't think so. I think they're nine and seven. I that's what, But that was, that was what I was saying about like this, the 17 game schedule was there's a big difference between a nine and seven and a 10 and six team. So a team that goes 10 and seven, what are you more, a 10 win team or a seven loss team? As simple as it is, it depends on, the, depends on the game you take away. I don't know. So do you count it as them taking away the literally the last game of the season? All right, Miami, you end beating in Jacksonville. That's your last game of the season. You're 10 and six. I wouldn't take away the second Miami game because you would have played Miami twice anyway. Sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. Take away the Dallas game, which they lost that one. So yeah, they'd still be ten and six. Hmm. I I mean, hmm. all in all, I hate the seventeen game season anyways, just because I think that it's just useless. But just move it to eighteen and bump everything in the off season up by like three weeks. That's even worse. 18 games and, season. They, and then give crap. them two buys give them two buys though in the regular season. Yeah. That I mean you would have to because yeah. <laughs> I mean the owners are going to get whatever they want in, in any no- negotiation with the players right now. Imagine so. if you have one, a one game buy in week 4. Oh my god, you're screwed. Forget it. You, you better hope that God puts a shield on every single one of your players. Hope Schedule. Some, there's something in the water down there. <laughs> oh man, this, this is going to be a fun season. This is going to be a good season to talk about. The, the amount of football that we talked about today when I was not expecting us to talk football has been delightful. I, I even like, forgot quick, that it was OTAs today. For the past quick 45 minutes, I think I said we were going to do today. And I, yeah. I think we, I think we've surpassed that. Last yeah. question. Huh. Who's, who's what new England team? What the, yeah. What new England team is more in shambles right now? The Bruins. <laughs> I Nick, think the, Nick, Nick I think agree. at <laughs> least, at least the Patriots have the Red Sox, the ownership, plan. the Red Sox, the revolution. The Bruins are doing pretty well, also, and the Connecticut Sun are doing well. It's a, How it's are the a Boston down, Cannon, the Massachusetts down, Pirates? It's a downtime for, for the Bruins. The Brockton Mass- Rocks, with Massachusetts Pirates. They won. Uh, they won. Didn't they win their championship like two or three years ago? Of course they did. Do you know what else I did? Was I went back in time uh, on NHL. And I replaced every single draft pick that Don Sweeney made with the pick that he should have made. And the team is so I good. I can imagine. It's so good. Defense is still a little thin, though. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I, this is, we're just getting more and progressively more and more sad to the point I'm going to have to drive over and I'm just going to be hearing Carl Yastrzemski, Carl Yastrzemski from outside your door. It's going to be Jack Edwards clips, just <laughs> nonstop yelling and screaming at the TV. Ah! Send that to the league. 
All right. I think that'll do it then for episode 82 of moving the goalposts. We, we pretty much provided final blows. I don't know if anybody has anything final to blow. Finally. Um, no, I mean, I got my, yeah, no, I thought this was going to be more Celtics oriented. So I had my Bruins and my Red Sox thought as a final blow. I don't know. Final blow though. I think we got Kenobi coming this week. Oh uh, my yeah. God. I'll just leave it at that. I want to take my pants off and do cartwheels. Episode 82 and moving the goalposts. Hey, you ready for this one? A Josh Boyce 82. Mm, a allergy crumpler 82. Good one. Trent mm. Frederick 82. Definitely. Definitely. A, was 82. Vince, was it? Vince, yeah. Uh, Vincent Brisby 82. If you remember that. Uh, fans, early 90s. Yeah, that was like right when we were born. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Daniel Graham 82. It's another good one. Wasn't there a tight end that we had in 82? Yeah, I'm Matt, thinking... Matt Langle. Langle. I yeah. was going to say Matt Mulligan. Langle. I thought it was... Uh, he might have been 88. I think who, I think he was 88, yeah. Who was 88 in 2015? Matt something. Matt... Scott, um, Scott Chandler? Or was it... Yeah, I think it was... Maybe it was Scott Chandler. Now I'm thinking this might be one. I'm Keyshawn Martin, 82. Keyshawn Martin, 82. Yep, that's another good one. Oh, um, I feel like 82 is a number that should be worn more for New England. There's not not many, not much great history there. It's an it ugly has number. It, it is it is a weird number, isn't it? Yeah. 82. Like well, 83. 83. You got some pizzazz on that. Any out of town 82s you guys know of? Uh, not even out of town. Okay, I'm drawing a blank on the number. There's probably some really famous 82 that we're just not thinking of at all. More of a tight end number, I would say, than a receiver number mm-hmm. in, in NFL history. But episode 82 of Moving the Goalposts is always want to make sure that folks following along throughout the week. You can follow me on Twitter at NickMara94. Mike is available at Mike underscore Masala, producer extraordinaire Andrew Meehan. He can be followed at me and A underscore 83. Gentlemen, until next time. Later, brother. I wasn't saying it. I know. <laughs> Nick's like, yeah. No, you were not. Goodbye. <laughs>